Fortunebox.com here, and we're going to be checking out this video from the JRE podcast, which is the Joe Rogan Experience, where Patrick Bet David basically exposes everything when it comes down to BlackRock and the ESG score. And the main reason why I want to like check this out and like basically show it to people who listen to this is that one of the main ways to like invest your money in a really lazy way is by using the S&P 500, right? Because pretty much almost anyone can just like stick money into the S&P 500 and over like decades will pretty much keep doubling their money. And the scary thing about that is that BlackRock and these other companies basically own like 80% of almost all of these companies that are within the S&P 500. So let's check this out. The Joe Rogan experience. How much, Joe, have you looked at, um, you know, Larry Fink, Soros, State Street, you know, uh, Vanguard, BlackRock? How much have you looked at what they're doing and how, what their ties are? I've looked at it. Yeah? Yeah. They're pretty much running everything. Yeah. yeah. S&P 500, you know, the number that... Uh, 88% of the companies on S&P 500, 88% of them, the largest shareholder of those companies is either State Street, BlackRock, or Vanguard. 88% of them. And again, that is like super scary. But it's not just scary. It's also like sad in a way because you pretty much know that investing your money into the S&P 500 is pretty darn secure. Only because you got these three massive companies that are basically controlling every single thing, which is insane, right? You're basically banking on the fact that these corrupt companies are just controlling a monopoly-sized portion of the top 500 companies. Okay. And then you see their influence in defense contracts. Okay, so we went through a deal. I'm like, let me see if this, these guys, this ESG, Larry Fink, Vanguard, State Street, if they have any influence on military contract, defense contract. If you Google the largest shareholder for Raytheon, three out of the four top shareholders of Raytheon, BlackRock, State Street, and uh, Vanguard. <laughs> so disgusting. It could be top three with Raytheon, but I think it's three out of four. If you go look up General Dynamics, if you go look up Boeing, if you go look up, you know, Northrop Grumman, okay? And then you work backwards and you say, okay, how much money is that in, the, uh, in, in what these guys are doing? You'll find uh, uh, our, you know, the amount of money we spent in our military, $744 billion on how much we're making from de defense, but you'll see some numbers saying last year is 13% of our GDP, which is around $850 billion. That's more than the next 10 combined. We gave more money to Ukraine than Russia spent on their military last year. And when you look at these contracts, then you're like, okay, Fink is there, these guys are there. Like, okay, let's go look at Hollywood. Same thing you see there. Let's go look at pharmaceutical. Let's go look at this. And you're like, wait a minute. These guys essentially have a monopoly. Well, how big is BlackRock? $10 trillion. How big is $10 trillion? 
I don't think people actually even realize just how big trillions of dollars actually is. Like, hold on, let me uh, pull this up. Okay, uh, how many millions of dollars are in a trillion? A trillion is bigger than a million, more than a billion. It's 18 zeros convert one trillion to million. Let's see. So let's see, what is that? Three, oh yeah, three, three. So one million million? Is that true? Oh no. Three. Yeah, so one million million equals a trillion. Oh, that is so disgusting. Only two countries have a bigger GDP than what BlackRock has, assets under management, U.S. and China. That's how big BlackRock is. So then they went and they started getting all these other guys to sign on and say, hey, we want you to participate with the same thing as what with ESG. And they ended up having, I think they had 31 signers, I think end of 2022, they got 60 uh, something signers for a total of $70 trillion of assets under management that they're controlling. So now they're controlling other places. And just recently, if you saw the rebuilding of Ukraine, did you see this contract? Well, he said $70 trillion, right? Hold on. Management that they're controlling. Signers, I think end of 2022, they got 60 uh, something signers for a total of $70 trillion. $70 trillion. So that's 70 million million dollars like I think the scariest thing about this sort of stuff is that you basically have another country in effect in terms of just pure money like power being able to like seed its way into every single country on earth and influencing what they do like it's scary to know that if you put your money into something that you like there's just these massive companies that just can choose what to do with your money at any given point. And again, it's sad because one of the more safe investments is by putting your money into the S&P 500. Of assets under management that they're controlling. So now they're controlling other places. And just recently, if you saw the rebuilding of Ukraine. Did you see this contract? Rebuilding of Ukraine, $400 billion contract. BlackRock and Chase is helping rebuild Ukraine. And then, okay, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but what the hell is going on here? They have that much control to get everybody to do what they want them to do? Yes. So Dylan Mulvaney, who cares? Why? Bud Light. How does that tie up? You got the DEI, the HRC, the human rights, and all this stuff. And then you go even deeper, which is even the crazier part, with, you know, the, the education, schools. Like, you know, the biggest uh, union we have in America, I think it's National Education something. NEA is the largest uh, union. We have three million teachers are part of that union. 
and and you look at that and you go deeper in that with open society and who's funding it who's the money behind these organizations comes back soros 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 how do you feel about the kind of power they have right now to fight against them because this isn't like a billionaire can come out and say i'm going to go up, up against these guys they don't have a little bit of money a billionaire to these guys is nothing they got the kind of control that can make companies fire boards they can replace ceos they can replace leaders if they don't like they have their hands so much into it where many by the way if you also really think about it too it's not just they are like bigger than pretty much any individual company they're even more powerful than the oil guys if you know what i mean because basically <laughs> the type of influence that they can have is bigger than the majority of whole countries so like a lot of these um uh, countries that are basically ran by royalty that are just pumping out gas like you know black gold basically they're even more powerful than them times when people say they the people of power the people of power i'm kind of like who are the people of power are you convinced these guys are really running the world or what do you think about what some of these bigger companies are doing like state street vanguard and blackrock well they certainly have massive amounts of influence what do you think they're doing uh, it's it's the question is how do you fight it like for example the way we fight mainstream is by what the show that we do and we have to be patient it's going to take two three four five ten twenty years now you have some influence right okay we can fight there is an actual strategy on how to fight that no problem you got a kid in school who's a bully he's bigger than you he keeps bullying you you have a strategy on how to beat the guy you take a year jujitsu two years this this that boom one fight he knows i'm never gonna touch joe again screw this thing i'm not doing this no more right there is a play to it when you have this much joe 88 percent of smp 500 companies that is a form of a monopoly if i'm a president whether it's a trump or whoever else goes out there and does it our monopoly law in america is 50 percent. they say 50 percent. like if you tie and said at what point is a 50 percent? i've done calls with the ftc like we had one of our guys technology we were using the ftc called and said hey we want to have a call with you because they're thinking about buying this other technology company and we're worried it's going to be a monopoly so we had the call okay at the end of the call with us with a bunch of different people we said we love their product we love their product that deal didn't end up happening okay the monopoly law some of these guys are influencing it but they say 50 percent is a monopoly law do you know how many people in america have an iphone versus droid you know what the numbers market shares in america with iphones i think it's like 60. 58 percent 60 percent that is already a monopoly but who's knocking on the door of apple tim cook saying hey tim you got 58 percent. that's breaking a monopoly law nobody is i think someone's gotta break apart you know, in 1993... And basically, like, Patrick Bedavid is pretty much saying, like, he wants people to break up this monopoly, right? The only problem with that, which, like, I completely understand with what Patrick's trying to get at, the problem is that so many 401ks, so many retirement accounts and companies are tied to this so you got so many people's retirement basically betting on the S&P 500 working out and pretty much the only reason why it's working out is because 
the majority of all those companies, like he said, 88% of the companies in the S&P 500, the majority shareholder is one of those top companies. If you break them up, how well would the S&P 500 be doing? No idea. But you're putting a lot of people's retirements potentially at risk. So would you be able to actually even pull something like that off? Would that even be allowed to happen? Because we're talking about like your everyday person potentially, potentially losing all their money in their retirement accounts. Would the government be able to even risk that without like some like massive revolt? I don't know which senator it was. They, these guys that were trying to get the defense contractors to be better at the pricing, what they were charging because they were overcharging DOD and DOD people don't know what the hell is going on. They're like, yeah, okay. How much? $68 million do it. $1.2 billion do it. I'm not going to over-negotiate the money. They took 51 defense companies and they brought it down to only five. It's only five companies right now when you want to buy anything. Think about that. So defense contractors is five. We know how these guys make money. Earlier, you know, I was asking you a question, why do you think vaccine? And you're like, Pat, that's how they make their money, right? I mean, if, a, if you and I run a hotel, rooms are empty, we're not making money. We need people to stay in the rooms. If you and I are running a hospital, we need people on the beds to make money. Yeah. If there's no people on the beds, we ain't making money. If these five contractors are fighting for $744 billion, what do they want more of? Wars. They want more people dying. You know the Papa John saying, Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys is more wars, more people dying, more profits, defense contractors, right? That's a valid concern that I have. Because yeah. behind closed doors, this whole military industrial complex, when you look at the numbers, whoever becomes the president, unfortunately, this guy's an anti establishment president, good. Unfortunately, if you're an anti establishment president, Everyone's going to come after you, especially these military defense contractors. So if a president got up and said, if I'm going to be the president, here's what we're going to be doing. We have to look at all the contracts. You can't overcharge us. We have to open it up. You have to sell some of your companies. You have to let them be independent again. You have to do this. You have to let them go public, separate, whatever way you've got to break them apart to have competition again. Because we don't have that today. you know. So that is a major concern where... We say we have a commander-in-chief, but really the commander-in-chief is Larry Fink today. The guy running BlackRock is really the president of the United States. Isn't that kind of like scary when you think about that? It's like pretty much this whole conversation that PBD is having with Joe Rogan is to pretty much relay the fact that the president basically has no power at all which is beyond scary now it's just sad when you really think about it because the thing is a lot of people don't know anything about investments a lot of people don't know anything when it comes to pretty much finances basically at all and a lot of people are so focused on like political stuff when it really doesn't really matter in a sense because people are going to have disagreements politically no matter what it is 
But in terms of actually like being able to control countries, it doesn't really matter because you have massive companies like this working behind the scenes that are just literally just picking what they want. It's like them basically playing chess with countries' lives. It's insane. If we look at the kind of influence he's got in every industry, Joe, and he's like, well, you know, I kind of feel bad. I'm ashamed that all the weaponization, the word, you know, ESG is being used and all this other stuff. And Elon tweeted about the ESG. I don't know if you remember when Elon tweeted about ESG saying the S in ESG is satanic. Okay. So this is a part where even a Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's partner, says, look, I love Larry Fink, but I'm not interested in having an emperor. Some words like that he said about Larry Fink. So th this motive, and by the way, Larry Fink is an interesting guy because he majored in college political science. His aspirations was politics. He accidentally got into money and he learned to trade and then he lost $100 million at, at 36 years old, I think. And then he teams up with Schwartzman and they start this company. And after a couple of years, they got $5 billion under management, $8 billion and $32 billion. And then they have a difference because, you know, he wants to give equity and Jamie's, you know, Schwartzman's like, no, and then they separate. But influence of politics, you get into business, you're a billionaire. It's you, Soros. So I'm, I'm extremely concerned about what these guys are up to. And we think our president is the most powerful person. That person is not. Because behind closed doors, they're going to be like, look. Guys, let's relax. That guy's only going to be there for four to eight years. We're going to be all right. He'll be out. We're running the world. We're okay. We were running America, but now we're running the world. We control all the ETFs in America. We're controlling all this stuff. Everyone has to come through us, and we can tell everybody what to do because everybody fears not getting money from us, from being downgraded. A Tesla on ESG score is nothing, but a Philip Morris gets an A rating. How the hell the company that's Philip Morris has a better environmental, social governance score, DEI, you know, not DEI, but the CEI the, uh, score, they give it over Tesla. So let's look up Philip Morris. So Philip Morris. So Philip Morris International PMI is an American multinational tobacco company with products sold in over 180 countries. And the most recognized and best-selling product of the company is Marlboro. And basically, pretty much, any time you've been to a gas station, you have seen their product. So Philip Morris International is often referred to as one of the companies compromise, uh, comprising of big tobacco. So what he's saying is big tobacco, you know, the one that basically gives it like has given people cancer has a better ESG than Tesla, like an environmental score. Interesting. So they can bully some of these guys. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think the goal of ESG is? What, why do you think they're establishing these sort of parameters? Like, why, why is ESG a thing, and what's the benefit of it for them? So Schultz said something very interesting. Schultz says, look, these guys are driven by money. They're not going to do anything to destroy an economy, to 
lose their own money because right. they want that. I said, okay, it's a very good, Andrew Schultz, I said, that's right. a very good point uh, of, you know, on, on what you're saying, fine. So, you know, you know how sometimes Michael Jackson, you see the interview with him with kids. Oh, they're just sleeping in the bed. That's all it is. And we're just having a great time and we're storytelling and like, yeah, but I get it. You know, it's a little weird. You got a seven, eight year old, 10 year old kid sleeping in your bed and you know, all this stuff. And just, it's a little bit fishy what you're talking about here. It's not normal. Well, if you're in Hollywood and you've slept with as many people as these people sleep and then eventually you have to have other options because what else do you do? You have to try new things. How many threesomes have you had? How many this, how many that? So you start trying all these other things and sometimes these guys go to such and such place. Doesn't matter. It's kind of weird and fishy, right? On what you want to do. Great. Okay. So why are these guys doing what they're doing? You have all the money in the world. You live in a hundred million dollar house, not you, Larry Fink, and some of these guys. You, mm -hmm. not, I'm not. I don't know if he lives in a hundred million dollar house, right, but you got the money to live yeah. in a hundred million dollar. What else do you need? Right. You got nice cars. Jamie Dimon's got a nine hundred million dollar art collection, according to an article. It's a nice art collection, right? Huh. Let's check that out. Jamie Diamond. No, it's probably what Diamond Art Collection. Nine hundred million. I don't really see anything about his art collection. Oh, wait, no. Inside legendary financier J.P. Morgan's $900 million personal art collection. That's absolutely disgusting. Is it going to load? Maybe. The heck is my internet? Okay, it looks like it's not going to load. Okay. You go to all the nice restaurants, you meet prime ministers, you meet presidents, and then maybe there comes a time when you're looking at a couple of these guys, they're presidents and prime ministers, and you tell yourself, I'd be a better president than you, bro. How the hell am I not reading the country? Or they tell themselves, you think you're a president? You're not a president. You work for me. What else is the motive? But ESG, how does that factor? In? But that the point is control is what I'm saying. So the motive okay. becomes control more than money. After you have all the money in the world, what's next? It's got to be control or a true vision. So a Soros, when you're talking ESG, that story is a completely different story. You ever heard Soros' interview with 60 Minutes where he says, I see myself as a god? Have you ever seen this interview or, or what he says? No. Really? He said oh. he sees himself as a god. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Jamie, do you mind pulling up the quote? I think it's, if you type in LA Times, Soros, God. If you type in LA Times, Soros, God. When you hear what he says, it's like the second to the last paragraph all the way to the bottom. The guy asks a question, you know, about who he views himself as. I want to, I want to quote it properly, exactly what he says. In this Is there interview. a video of him saying Yeah, 60 minutes. There's a video as well. So if you go all the way to the bottom, go a little bit higher, go a little bit higher in the 
We're going values. A little higher. There's a part where he says, uh, keep going. What year is this article, by the way? It's an, it's a, it's an all, all Soros believes he was anointed, anointed by God. I fancied myself as some kind of a God. If truth be known, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies with me from childhood, which I felt I had to control. Otherwise, they might get me in trouble. And then on the next line, when asked by Britain's independent newspaper to elaborate on the passage, Soros says, it is sort of a disease when you consider yourself some kind of a God, the creator of everything, but I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this one. I just wanted to, again, kind of like show this to some people who might not have seen it, even though JRE's podcast is huge. Because, again, like you have three massive companies that are bigger than pretty much all the countries in the world that is pretty much as big or bigger than the majority like power countries in the world controlling one of the largest index funds that a lot of people rely on in terms of like investments like for example if i were to put money towards the future i would probably put it towards an s&p 500 fund so I would be directly contributing money to something like this that is being controlled by these three massive companies. Because I know that based off the historical data that it pretty much averages about like 10% a year annually, right? Which is good. <laughs> that is very good. You're pretty much beating a lot of hedge fund guys by doing that and again it's scary at the same time because you know that like 80 like like that those three companies own basically like 88 percent of those companies in terms of like a majority stake which gets into that really weird spot where uh pbd was talking about like he really thinks that these people need to be broken up but what would be the effects of them actually being broken up? Because there is so many people relying on that for retirement. So imagine if you are someone who's like in their 60s or in their 70s right now, and you're planning to retire, and you have most of your money into like a mutual fund or like an index fund in the S&P 500. And then they just break them up. The government breaks them up. Are you going to lose all your money? Like, what is going to happen? So it gets into a really tricky situation because, you, like, they have their tentacles in so much stuff. It's like, how can you really get rid of them? And would you even be able to get rid of them even if you were to do basically, like, a monopoly busting because... They have so many lobbying power available to them. They have probably so many politicians inside their pocket. I believe even like there's been like reports where I think one worker that worked for I think BlackRock basically exposed that you could just buy like a senator for like 10k. Like that's a scary situation that you have this massive company that can just sway things by just stuffing money into people's pockets, basically. 